There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing episode 10 of season 3 of Winona Earp. Okay, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy just got crazier. Like, oh my god. And then on top of it, I'm like, are we just going to get like all the Lost Girl alums on this season? Oh, absolutely. Because I'm okay with that. But Absolutely. And oh man, quick timeout. Yeah. Anna Silk playing a character named Kevin. That was Emily's doing in a shout out to one Mr. Kevin Batchelder. Oh my God. Yes. Okay, because I seen somebody post and tagged Kevin. Yes. I did not realize, though, that's what it was. Yes, and Lost Girl was definitely one of the shows that he absolutely loved. And so, yes, that was a fantastic shout out by Emily to Kevin. Awesome. Well done. Kudos. That was awesome. I did not know that. Yeah, uh-huh. Kevin was. Over the moon, shall we say. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, had all kinds of gifts of every time <laughs> they said Kevin. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd probably be riding that wave for quite oh, a while. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, congrats to a fellow podcaster. We do love when uh, they get shout outs in ways like this. Yes. So... Do you have any ratings news for us tonight? Yes, we do. Episode 10 brought in a 0.11 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.460 million viewers, making it the 80th overall cable show for the day. Dropped slightly. I'm so confused. Yeah. And what's funnier, and this is totally off topic, I happen to be looking for a new job, as my co-host here knows. Nielsen's looking for somebody to figure out how to read the ratings. I'm like, well, I probably shouldn't apply for that one because I'm confused as hell. I just happened to see that. I'm like, I don't even know how they do it. So probably not a good thing to apply for. So Yeah, that <laughs> might not be a lot of job security in that position. <laughs> I'd be confused on a whole other level. That's great. But... Speaking of confused, let's jump into episode 10. All right. The other woman, a mysterious woman who knows a little too much about the Earps, arrives on the homestead with a special mission for Winona and Waverly. The rest of the team must wrangle a deadly fire witch. Yay. Yeah. So much fun. So many weird things happening. Yeah. And to top it off, we're going to start in the past, the way, way back. Yeah, the way, way back. (laughs) And we open with a familiar face, good old Juan Carlo, back in his priest days. So we're already in ancient history. For the Earps, anyway. Yeah. 
He's inside his church with Maeve, and the two are sussing out their grand plan to put Bullshar in the ground for good. And in pops Robert Swain, a.k.a. Bobo Del Rey, and Juan Carlo urges Bobo to join him in securing Peacemaker for the champion. And we see a cut of Juan Carlo holding a sword. I feel like it was somewhere... Somewhere between a sword and a hunting knife. Okay. Because it it was it didn't feel like it was that big of a right. Uh, yeah, an it item was to wider be a sword. Than longer, that's for sure. But yeah, it was definitely bigger than just a regular knife. But yeah, that's weird because all this time we've been thinking basically peacemaker is what Wyatt had all this time, but maybe he didn't. Right. And. The it champion just, versus the heir? Uh, <laughs> but at that time, there was no curse. So, I mean, that makes sense that right. there's not an heir. But also, I started thinking, because this whole last episode, and this episode, it was kind of going back and forth, and we knew that Bolshar wanted Peacemaker because right. it was the tower. Right. But then I started thinking, and then after this episode... I put on my little tinfoil hat, and I'm like, what if it's not actually Peacemaker? Right. And then seeing this, and I'm thinking, what if it's not a weapon at all? And that's why it's like things started turning in my head, and I'm like, hold on a second. Because (laughs) would that thing had been enough metal to melt down to make Peacemaker? It didn't seem like it. No, I wouldn't think so. So I'm starting to think that it has nothing to do with an actual weapon. Hmm. Okay. That's an interesting theory there. And in this episode, it sure didn't seem like it was much of a weapon when it ends up being an arm. Right. Or the ring. Yeah. See, that's what I'm starting to think. What if it's actually like the ring and the ring was maybe broken up into like two parts or something i don't know i'm just feeling like peacemaker is not what bullshar thinks it is or what we've all thought it was right yeah we it although the only thing peacemaker does is send revenants back to hell it hasn't done much of anything against non-revenants right so i'm thinking that it's not what we've been thinking it was this whole time exactly but can we talk just one second? And it was really just like a second on film with Juan Carlos telling Maeve to take the book and hide it. Right. It's like, hold on a second. What else is in there? And why wouldn't Juan Carlos have told us something earlier? Yeah, that's a very good question because I don't have an answer why Juan Carlos wouldn't have told Winona about the book to begin with. Even before Bolshar yeah, wrote. Yeah, yeah, all these little things are starting to like turn the gears in my head. Like, hold on a second. <laughs> and knowing that we have just like two episodes left. Right. Oh my God. Are we going to get everything in those two episodes? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, we know we've got episode four already in the bag. So <sighs> I have a feeling Emily is going to rip our hearts out with this finale. Emily, I think, is like got some super sneaky stuff up her sleeves. Yes. Okay, so we fast forward to the present, and we see Bobo trapped inside 
a giant aquarium without any greenery. <laughs> a very uh, glass-like box inside the precinct, no less. And yeah. Didn't they use that, like, for uh, one of the witches? Yes. Okay. Yes. I thought we had, and then I'm like, maybe I was wrong. Like, no. I'm, okay. Just so. making sure that we still have actually used this and we've seen that. Right. Now, Bobo was having the aforementioned flashback and trying to relay what he knew to our Scooby gang, but having spent all that time inside the well, Bobo's just not quite the same mentally. No. <laughs> he has definitely had some crazy moments, and I think this whole episode with Bolshar and him being tortured repeatedly just totally pushed him over. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, Bobo is kind of harmless, I think. <laughs> I can't swear it, but he sure doesn't seem to have all his facilities about him. He seems really broken, basically. Yeah. He just spews out riddles with only brief moments of clarity sandwiched in between him. Yes, and I kind of feel bad because, I mean, even Winona, it's like, I can't let you out, man, but come on, you got to give me something. And he seems like he wants to try, like really try to help because he knows what's going on with Bolshar. Right. And then just, whoop, takes a right turn. Yeah. Squirrel. Exactly. And so Winona decides it's time for some fresh air. She urges Waverly to stay behind and do some more research. And of course, Jeremy shows up and vows to help Waves. Well, and, good. Yeah. We need we need some good brain power. Right, because even Waverly's getting frustrated. Right, she's our historian. Right, and so they decide to recap what they already know regarding Bolshar. And by doing this, they stumble upon a name that Bobo kept repeating, Maeve. Of course, we know Maeve was the woman with Juan Carlo at the church, and Bobo insist that they consult Doc on the matter, and perhaps this Maeve knows the secret to defeating Bolshar. Of course, Waverly wants Nicole to go get Doc and check it out. I feel like everything with Doc is really iffy right now. Oh, absolutely. Because, of course, Nicole heads into Shorty's just after a veterinarian had dropped off a present for our dear old vampy doc. I feel like he could have done it a different way than biting through the back. Right. <laughs> I don't know. A straw, perhaps? Yeah. A glass? Put it in a drink. <laughs> you're in a bar. Nobody would think it's weird if you're drinking a Bloody Mary. Well, he even mentions that, but uh, <laughs> Nicole knows better. No, you're just biting through the back. <laughs> Yeah. Now, of course, Doc does offer up his guns in case he is not able to control his urges. And Nicole whips out a clip full of wooden bullets. Nice. I Makes me wonder when she had that done. Yeah. <laughs> Probably right after she discovered that Doc was a vampire. Wonder if she had it done just when she discovered there were vampires, even yeah, before that, Doc became one. That's true. Could have. So the two set out to find Maeve's cabin to rummage through it and hope the book's there. He knows that she wrote a book in coordination with Juan Carlo, one that will help them take down Bolshar for good. 
All right, let's do this. Now, of course, they get there, and Doc does inform Nicole that Maeve was burned at the stake for being a witch. Rut row. Oh, so that's what he was talking about when Bobo kept saying they did it, but she wasn't. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. But I'm not thinking, not thinking that that was quite true either. Because, of course, her sisters are supposed to still reside there, but they find the cabin empty and begin their search. Of course, Doc strikes a match to light the fire in the fireplace. And he doesn't even need to get it close. Because right. <laughs> just erupts into flames. And we hear the voice of Maeve ring out loud and clear. I thought that was so weird because it's like, wait a second, what is she doing? But then we have all these different types of witches at this point. Why not a fire witch, right? Right. Now, as it turns out, she was cursed to live out her afterlife inside the fire. Which, if you're burned at the stake as it is, come on. Really? Poor girl couldn't catch a break. No. Now, of course, Doc turns around and calls Jeremy to help him with this issue. So, of course, Maeve wants out, and Nicole being the person to take charge, because Doc was not getting in, getting anywhere with her, walks up to the fire, bends down, and boop, she's now Maeve. Yeah. How the heck did that happen? Because if the, what was it? I can't remember the name. The Iron Witch, basically, right? Right. If these other women were living there, how come she never took their bodies or talked them into helping get her away out of the fire? Right. But all of a sudden... Think they would have. But right. But at the same time, if the other sisters were actual witches, they definitely... Well, we know the Iron Witch was. So, right. yeah, they were ancient, 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 ancient in years. So, hmm, that's a very hmm. good question. You'd think you'd try to help your sister. Right. Because she mentions as we go here, about seeing the Victoria's Secret catalogs, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but I'm like, hold on a second. Why Why wouldn't you try to help? You know, that, that didn't make any sense to me. Or is it because, as we learn, after she jumps into Cole's body and then that she needs a fresh body, a fresh dead body? Right. Do you think that was like a price too high for the other sisters? Probably. But with as much weirdness as happens in in purgatory, you know, the iron you would think tri- that that not have been that big of a deal. But yeah, know, who knows? Maybe they didn't get along with their sister. Oh, you know what? You might be right. Yeah, I mean, because she was kind of obnoxious. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely was. So of course she demands Doc kill Nicole so she can live in Nicole's body forever. And she taunts Doc, claiming that she won't hand over the Bullshar book until Doc gives her a freshly dead body to inhabit. Jeremy mm-hmm. walks in, and sure enough, she jumps out of Nicole and into Jeremy. <laughs> and oh my god, <laughs> that was hilarious. Yes, it was. And I love how the whole cast was pretty much ripping on Varun about this scene. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no matter what happens, even if you end up like winning an Oscar, that's going to be on your sizzle reel. That basically you felt yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> and like I was like, oh my god! Like he had to do this and basically act like a teenage girl, right? Talking, and I was like, this was so funny. 
Yes, it was. And now, it just, I want to know how often they had, or how many times they, they had yeah. to repeat the scene. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, she jumps out and back into Nicole saying, Jeremy isn't completely human. I wasn't sure that I caught that. I tweeted that out and because I actually was around for this one. Yeah. But, <laughs> when, but I was like, hang on. Did she just say that she needs somebody completely human and basically implied that Jeremy's not? Yeah. I mean, we know that he has like weird sensitivity or whatever, but he got that after the accident. Right. So now I'm like, hold on. I need some further explanation here. Yes. Absolutely. We, we got need that story. <laughs> yeah. And of course, this is about the time where she kind of unbuttons Nicole's shirt. Yeah. And it was hilarious that both Doc and Jeremy like cover their face and like cover each other's eyes. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> it was pretty funny, though. Yes. That little moment. Kudos to Cat Burrell for <laughs> that. That was a, some amazing comedy there. Just absolutely fantastic. Oh, my God. That whole trio. They were great right. in this yes. whole back and forth. And at this point, I think I'm right there with Doc and Jeremy. Like, she doesn't even have the book. This is crap. Right. So, of course, she coughs up a page from the book just to prove she does. It's like, hold on. How did that happen now? Yeah. <laughs> because we know that Nicole didn't swallow a book. No. Now I'm sitting there with the... Ooh, wait a second, look on my face, you know, yeah. like, uh, how did this happen? <laughs> yeah, totally figured, like, I'm lost, until she happens to screw up and says something. Right. And I thought that was really interesting, because all of a sudden, Maeve's like, well, I'm just going to burn the book if you don't drain her dry. It's like, wait a second. And since nobody is going to kill Nicole, it's like light bulb goes off in front of the guys. And you can see it on their face. All of a sudden, they're like, wait, she's going to burn the book. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> the book is in the building. Yes. And the first thing they do is both dive for the fireplace, which I thought was hilarious because it was like a Stooges moment. Yeah. <laughs> three right here. Because all of a sudden, she's like trying to pull them back and they're fighting to get in there. And bah, they got the book. I guess they probably should have checked there first. Right. And but Maeve, suddenly, yeah, leaps out of Nicole's body and returns to the fireplace and unleashes a massive firestorm on our heroes, setting the cabin ablaze. And I was kind of confused because it seems like it's a one room cabin. Right. Why didn't they go for the doors or yeah. the windows or something? <laughs> it seemed like, oh, OK, we're just going to chill here. It's fine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> apparently the blast from the fireplace knocked them all out. Well, didn't he? push jeremy out the door though before it happened with the book i think he tried to i don't know if he made it or not okay but hey purgatory is finest yeah the fire pd shows up to extinguish the flames now that's some real swift notifying out in the middle of nowhere right who the hell called that one in same person who called in the one at the church way back when yeah. apparently <laughs> so of course Charlie goes around back and pulls Doc out. Yeah. And okay. Not digging this. No. For repayment of saving his life, Doc drains Charlie of his blood. Yeah, because he says, you saved me. And then that happens. And I'm like, okay, was he, he didn't look burned or anything. No. So I was kind of confused. But then we had this little interaction with Nicole and Doc. And, of course, Jeremy, 
and Nicole almost shot him. Yes. But and- she's like, if I ever see you again, I will kill you. And I'm watching this scene and I'm getting upset that Doc would do this because he's not his normal, like, oh my God, I don't believe I did this. And of course, there's like, okay, did he do it because he knows why Nona and Charlie were together? And if Charlie's really dead, then I guess that blows my theory that he's the angel right out of the water. Right. But when Doc leaves, he kind of has a weird smile. Right. So is this actually Maeve is what I'm wondering. It would not surprise me. I guess for that split second when he realized that Charlie was alive, he could kill him and hopefully give Maeve what she wanted, but they already had the book. So it it's hard to tell because I mean, we've seen Doc struggle with being a vampire. Mm-hmm. And so I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it was Maeve and not Doc, but I don't know. When I first saw it, I was just going, what are you doing, Doc? Yeah, I mean, do you think that well, okay, I was thinking at first he was doing it to give Maeve the body. Right. But that would be weird because he knows that Charlie is close to the gang and right. close to Winona, so that'd be really weird. But... Right. And and they had kind of developed a bit of a friendship. Right. So, but yeah, the that's smile just no made sense. Me, <laughs> yeah, the smile just made me like really question if that was Doc. Right. And I'm hoping that we are right, that we noticed a smile that, Doc would have never grinned like that, having just killed Charlie. No, because he seemed horrified when he accidentally ended up getting Robin. Right. And Robin isn't, at that point, wasn't even really part of the group. He had dated, or went on a date. Yeah. I don't know. This is just really weird. Disturbing. (laughs) Two episodes to wrap this. All next week. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So now we have another task we've got to cover as Winona arrives at the homestead and discovers Charlie inside her barn, tinkering with her lawnmower. What the hell? (laughs) Can you see either Winona or Waverly mowing the homestead with a push mower? Right, because that's a whole lot of area. Yeah. But I did like the back and forth. It's like, oh, wait, but isn't this where we kind of go back and forth with our... With our jabs and, and then the she, innuendos. Yeah. And <laughs> but then she fills him in and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little much, I think, for him. He's like, oh, great. Trees helping people. But you're kind of fangirling about that. Yeah. Or trees helping Bullshar, I should say. People being turned into trees and then it's really weird. And it's like, okay, well, where are we going to go from here? Because they seem to suddenly get, like, serious. And I wasn't digging that. Right. I don't know. I felt like, because I still, at this point, I don't trust Charlie. And I'm thinking that he is the angel. Right. But I guess something else weird happens because that's when Kevin shows up. Right. It's like, who are you? (laughs) Right. Yeah. We have a beautiful woman named Kevin. Okay. And she tells them that she works for a covert supernatural watch group. That overlooks these kinds of situations. Doesn't that okay. sound like DVD to me? Right? It's just, is there another? But apparently, now, I don't know. There's got to be something else. But yeah, they're they're talking on a different level here. Is right. What yeah, I, you, I yeah, you think that this is probably, what, Heaven's Black Badge Division? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, if they're talking on a more global scale, yeah, I definitely think it's probably way more than just BBD. Right. Because, of course, they only step in when necessary, i.e. Bullshar annihilating humanity. But they're generally advised not to interfere. Like, okay. Yeah. So Kevin reveals that she has set her sights on a Bullshar killing weapon, but isn't going to tell Winona anymore with a civilian there. <laughs> right, which I thought was kind of weird, too, because what's up with that? I mean, obviously, if they're people who know everything, right? you know that he has been there and has been helping for a little while. Right. But, yeah, instead, it's like, hey, why don't you beat feet? Or, as they said, scoot boots. Yeah, and they don't leave on the best of terms. As Winona gets a little upset about him being butthurt about their relation when she's dealing with the end of the world. Yes. And I was a little upset with him being so ticked off. Right. When, hello, you're the one who said, you know, there's a lot of weird crap that happens. Yeah. Didn't add up to me either, but who knows? Right. So Waverly shows up at the homestead and walks in and finds Kevin munching on pickles from the refrigerator. Okay. Kevin reveals that the bullshark killing weapon is actually the demon's arm. Yeah. Great. That'll be easy to retrieve, right? Yeah. As it's in the mine, bullshark emerged from. Of course, Waverly mentions there's always the possibility the mine could collapse, but they're both ready for the challenge. So they arrive at the mine with lots of rope and... Waverly reveals that Mercedes back in town. <laughs> and why not? What? Without a face? Yeah. And she has to be like, well, no, she kind of has a face. Yeah. Because obviously at this point, Waverly doesn't know what's going on. No. And by the way, ring stuck in my hand. So I'll admit forever. Right. That's where we're at. And okay. You're an explosion <laughs> from the mind and outcomes of Revenant. Heading towards our duo with one arm that definitely is not his. Right. Why is it green? Yeah. Waverly thinks it might have something to do with radiation, but she does recognize the man from her research. He was a revenant that Wyatt trapped inside the mine. Good old one-armed Clint, who now has two. <laughs> How did you just happen to stick that arm on, dude? Yeah. <laughs> Just wondering. Yeah. How'd he manage to find it? Yeah, right? Of course. And then Waverly has that whole history lesson for us. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Waverly. Yep. And Winona tries to attack the guy's face. Unfortunately, her hand is instantly plastered with skin-searing welts, courtesy of the acid on his face. And for a second, you thought, oh, this is not good. If that's radiation, Winona's not long for this world. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I was too. But as we see them heading down the road and commenting that it's 10 miles into town, but, oh, wait a minute, the Gardner Mansion is close by, you know, because Winona says, I don't think I'm going to make it all the way to town. You wonder, oh, this is not good. Yeah, because she was kind of wobbly and like, oh, God, what? what is this? Yeah, are we? Is she getting radiation poisoning here? Well, they make scared. it to... Gardner house and of course Mercedes is 
just as gorgeous as ever as she opens the door and invites them in. Oh, yeah. And I loved it because all of a sudden she's like, oh, Waverly, it's all because of you and you're an angel and just you're awesome. Like she's saying you're an angel, not like you're an angel. Right. But, you know, you're super sweet. I don't know what you did. This is great. I love it because Waverly's like, I did what? Yeah. (laughs) And, of course, the Revenant finally makes it there and bursts into the mansion. And Winona tries to defeat him and is unable to. And she wants Waverly to use her ring. But she doesn't know how. Right. And she's afraid that she can't touch the Revenant without getting burned herself. Right. And she actually looks at the ring and says, "Uh, you want to do something to help me out here? (laughs) She throws her arm up and sure enough, the Bolshar's arm follows it to the T. And you go, oh, the arm does whatever the ring. Oh, that was so funny. Yes. (laughs) Especially when she's like, oh, it's like we, I'm good at we. (laughs) And she's not going to lose the ring like many people lost the Wii remote. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So, of course, she Forces the Revenant to choke himself with Bolshar's arm. Yay, one Revenant down. Right. Now, of course, the girls have to get Bolshar's arm off of there after some effort on their part. And when they do, Kevin shows up and congratulates Waverly on a job well done. She wasn't right. Yeah, she wasn't sure Waves was capable of defeating a Revenant with only being half angel. And when she said that Mercedes reported this to her, talking about her face, I'm like, what? Yeah. Where did where did Mercedes get your number? What are you? Who are you? What's going on? Exactly. I was really like, what? This is weird. Very And then weird. we find out, yeah, Waverly is the champion. And she's the key, not Wynonna. And I, I think I had like, big question marks over my eyeballs because I'm like, wait a second. I'm so confused. This is not where we've been leading up to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I once Bolshar got Peacemaker, and even before he got it, it sure didn't seem like Peacemaker was going to be able to stop him. And I kept saying, the one ring, thats it, we're actually going to get a chance to see Waverly defeat a bad demon. So, of course, her father, Julian, was one of the two angels assigned to guard the garden, along with Juan Carlo. I can get behind that, okay. Yeah, so Winona asks Kevin what will happen to her sister. Well, Kevin reveals that when Waverly takes her place on her father's throne, she will turn to stone. This act will seal the garden permanently. Say what? Winona's not having any part of that. Yeah. I'm just like, hold on. Yeah. (laughs) No. Not only no, but hell no. Right. We're not about to lose our waves. No. (laughs) The group would not be the same without Waverly. No. And, I mean, Winona, this was, I thought this was interesting because, of course, you know, Winona's like, yeah, no, this just isn't happening. Right. And surprisingly, and a lot of people actually put this up when, Waverly says, I don't know if I can do that. Right. Most of the time you have the person say, basically, it's for the greater good or something like that. Right. And a lot of people commented that they were happy that it wasn't just like, okay, I'll do it. 
that it's showing the reality of if you were given this choice, you're going to hesitate. Right. Absolutely. You got to think about it long and hard. <laughs> like, holy crap. The only way to do this is to forever be separated. And seeing how Winona was, and of course, Winona being the entire fandom at that point. Right. Because, oh my God, way hot. I'm sure yeah. <laughs> those people are losing their shit, like for real. Yeah. It felt good that they didn't just say, yeah, she's going to run into it headlong. Right. Absolutely, it did. Now we deal and with of course, the Kevin's aftermath. Pissed. Yeah. <laughs> we deal with the aftermath. We see Jeremy reading the Bullshire book back at the station, surrounded by Nicole and Robin, who uh, we do have to. We had a very, very brief interlude between Robin and Bobo. Oh, I thought that was really interesting with their back and forth. Right. Oh, absolutely it was. Because Robin was listening to music and Bobo's like, oh, jazz. That's what makes humans really good. I like that. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> kind of makes me wonder if Michael Eklund really does like jazz. Right. Because he was just spouting off all the different jazz. And he then Robin's like holding the headphones up to the glass for him to hear. And, and we see this and Robin's like, I'm not going to open. I'm not going to open this. But... And then in this scene where Jeremy and Nicole and Robin are sitting there talking about the book and learning stuff from it, when they pull back, did you notice Bobo had Robin's headphones on? Yes. And you go, so obviously Robin opened it. Yeah. How did that get in there? But I was like, hold on. Again, something they didn't address. It's just like, Phew, okay, you can listen. It's cool. Yeah. It's not like it was open somewhere. Right. I thought that was weird. Right. And then we get. A couple of bombs dropped on us as we learned that Bolshar is actually the snake from the garden. What? Yeah. <laughs> the devil himself. Holy mackerel. So he wants back in. But if he's the devil who was a fallen angel, I'm going to need a flowchart because like, yeah. which lore are we using here? Yeah, I know. Like getting confused. But yeah. We find out, too, that it's like, oh, well, there's a big to-do happening that Robin happens to know about. I can't was it like a blood harvest moon or something right. like crazy? Yes, yeah, blood moon or something like that. It's like, oh, just happens to be the next night. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. We got plenty of time to prepare. Yeah. Oh, man. And this is when Bolshar is going to start his... His mess, basically. Right. And then we cut to Nicole with Charlie's body. And, of course, she's thinking that maybe the spirit of Maeve will inhabit Charlie's vacant body. But Jeremy informs her that Charlie is actually gone for good. And how are they ever going to break the news to Winona? Well, I'm thinking that's going to have to wait. Yeah. If the end of the world is in. Tomorrow, that's just going to have to wait. Yeah. We need her head in the game. And right now, with everything going on, it's barely not, there. It's already not there. Yeah. yeah. So we cut to Waverly and Winona sitting at home discussing their next move in preventing the apocalypse. Of course, Winona refuses to allow Waverly to sacrifice herself, but they are running out of options. And then out of and nowhere, they realize it's 9 p.m. and the sun hasn't set. Like, okay, that's kind of weird. What's going on? Right. Talk about a blood moon that's as bright as the sun. Oh, that's pushing a little far. Right. Maybe 
Bolshar's extending the day so he has more time to prepare. And then we cut to Mercedes, who answers a knock on her door. We learn that she's all dressed up for a date. However, she finds her doorstep empty. That is, until a hand shoots into the frame and carts Mercedes off. And who do we think this is? That's a really good question. Could it be Doc? Could it Ooh. be Bolshar? I didn't know what's going on. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> when what? Kevin was all ticked off and left because you humans are so petty. Right. Like, what? So I was really confused who that could even be. Right. It could have been Kevin. Or I one guess. of Kevin's guy bosses that she so irritatedly hates. Yeah, that's true. Well, I guess we'll find out. Hopefully we'll find out. Yeah, we get both episodes next week. Oh my gosh. Hey Steve, did we get any feedback this episode? We certainly did. Our friend from the Netherlands, Fred, has provided us some feedback, so let's take a listen. Hello, Fangirl Zone podcasters. Hello, Steve. Hello, Fangirl Ed. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Winona Earp, Season 3, Episode 10. The other woman? I thought it would be Kate, but now we learn it's Kevin. Kevin? Is that not a male name? Crazy, crazy episodes with radioactive revenants with weird Bullshore arms. Did Bullshore actually miss his arm? I really have to go back. I think he missed a finger because they cut off the, the ring. But the whole arm. Poor Charlie being a vampire arised. Will he wake up and be a vampire like Doc? Or will he be dead? Waverly, the savior of the world. And if she does, she will turn to stone. That gives me the idea that the statue of the angel in the, in the winter garden, in the in the greenhouse, the homestead, is that angel perhaps Julian, also petrified? Now it gets really weird. The last time I told you, I'm half an angel, like Waverly, because my mother's maiden name is Angel, but my last name is Petrie, and that means stone, petrified. So being half an angel and having something in my name to petrify, which Waverly will do, uh, uh, um, uh, really, very, very strange. All the best. Greetings, Fred. Yes, Fred. Normally, Kevin's is a name that's used for males, but it was a a nod to, of course, Kevin Batchelder, and he was over the moon that Emily would do that, and not only that, but have Anna Silk play her. Right. Kevin is awesome to be able to have that happen, and maybe something will happen for us. That would be amazing. But yes, it would. <laughs> yes, Kevin has done a lot for the entire fandom. He he has definitely been the one polarizing agent to for the fandom. So you got to give him all the props. He's really yes. done went over and above anything that most podcasters would do for a show, and so. And you may well have met him, actually, at Urpapalooza. Yeah, should have. As a matter of fact, I know you did. So Now you know. Yep. Bullstar's arm. Yeah, I kind of thought it wasn't the whole arm either, but then I just kind of, like, okay, maybe I missed the fact that it was the arm and not just the finger. Right. No, the only thing that got cut off was the finger, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like didn't even you, think like, about it, though. Hmm, yeah. Odd. And will Charlie be a vampire? I don't know. I mean, I guess there's more that you have to do. I'm assuming it's kind of like you don't get drained 
Right. And possibly you have to drink the vampire blood. I could be wrong, but... Yeah. We really haven't been given vampire rules for... <laughs> this for Winona. Show. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, I watch so many vampire things. It's like, uh, which one do I follow? Yeah. Right. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. So Waverly being the savior of the world and then turned to stone. That, I'm like, I have the hiccups. I'm sorry. That will suck. Yes. If she gets turned to stone. Right. But she's determined to do it. And it's like, no. But that's really interesting what you said about the statue in the Winter Garden. I wasn't even thinking about that. Right. That was definitely a great point there, Fred. Because, yeah, as soon as you said that, I went, oh, yeah, the one in Mama Earp's greenhouse. Yeah, could that have been Julian then? That that's an interesting thought. Right. And it makes perfect sense. Because if Julian is her father, then he may have went before her and got turned to stone, but something went wrong. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. And then as for you being a half stone angel, <laughs> I guess that means Steve and I would never be able to look away because we're Whovians. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. But, you know, awesome for your feedback, as always. And we truly appreciate you kind of going, well, not kind of, like going above and beyond and doing all this for us and covering Palooza and stuff this season. Yep, we really appreciate it, Fred. Thanks for everything, Fred. Well, what do you guys think about it? Share your thoughts at sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com. Let us know what you think, what what do you think is happening? Are we going to wrap up everything in these last two episodes? I don't know. I don't know if we can, but you know what? Emily and Bo have really messed with our heads, so you never know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so shoot us an email at sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com or go to the website www.fangirlzone.com. Check out the contacts page and you can find all the other ways to contact us. And so easy. You just click on the link. And while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you're finding us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends. We do hope you're enjoying the podcast. And for this crazy episode, I am Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve. The ring controls the arm. It's like playing Wii. I'm really good at Wii. And until next time.